Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Hernandez, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm an American double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We apologize for a little bit of our absence this year. Today, you, is, we're, we're playing catch up. We want to talk about COVID, anxiety, and more specifically, we want to dive into how the kids are feeling, teenagers. You know, there's it's that time of year where kids are, are high school seniors are getting their college acceptance uh, letters, and we just want to touch on healthy coping mechanisms to, you know, handle rejection, maybe witnessing your friends, um, get accepted into the schools that are their dream schools and you don't get into the your dream school. And we just want to cover what a healthy coping ne- mechanism looks like. So this way, you know, things in life don't always go your way. And it's an important reminder that just because it doesn't go one way, that doesn't mean that's the only way your life can go. So this is the time of the year where high school seniors are getting their letters of acceptance or rejection. And it's an exciting time for the students as well as their parents because there's a great deal of expectations that there's hope, of course, that a student will get into their dream college, maybe an Ivy League school or a school uh, where their parents went, graduated from. So there's always a great deal of anticipatory anxiety uh, waiting to see what's going to happen. And this is the time of the year where letters are are mailed out and uh, the news arrives. Yeah, and I think... You know, it's important to acknowledge that the stakes have definitely risen since you were applying to colleges and for sure. And then even since I've applied to college, you know, it's been a few years now where I went through that process and the stakes were already really high back then in terms of grade point average expectations and extracurricular activities and your hobbies on your volunteer hours and all of the all the whole package of what it took to you know be a well-rounded applicant for colleges is has gone up it's really increased so i can only imagine what it must feel like to be a teenager today you know you want to go to stanford or you're shooting for duke and it's hard to you know compare yourself to other students who are getting in and especially in the age of social media now. I mean, I, I knew this when I was, when I was going through that process during this time when people were getting their acceptances, it was like all over social, my social media of like, oh, so-and-so got into this school and, you know, celebratory videos. And it can be overwhelming if you aren't getting that same acceptance rate that you were maybe expecting. Well, there's a couple of ways to cope. And like anything else, there's healthy ways versus not so healthy ways. So let's say that your friend or friends get accepted to their dream university or college and you don't. So what do you do? Well, 
first you need to applaud as difficult as it may be, but congratulations are in order to your peers that were successful. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you need to overwhelm yourself with depression, anxiety, uh, underwhelming yourself, feeling that you're not the achiever that you were hoping to be. Uh, I think the fact that people compete, that they try to make the effort, is praiseworthy in and of itself. Uh, And I think it can be taken as a life lesson that things may not always go as you want, but that doesn't mean you cannot continue to struggle or to challenge yourself to to make that goal. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, I think, you know, we were talking about this the other day. I was kind of teasing you about like, oh, thank God you don't have teenagers right now because times have just, it was difficult when I was a teenager. Not that I give you guys trouble, but like me being a teenager, my siblings being teenagers, we all faced our own set of challenges. And it seems like nowadays, you know, with the access to social media and you know you know we're in california and like legal the legalization of marijuana and all these different substances that i mean that's everywhere but it just feels like right now as a parent there must be so much more pressure to be a good parent and find that balance of allowing my kid to be a kid but also knowing when these firm boundaries have to be set in place to protect them from you know maybe doing something stupid or you know anything well you're right i think the challenge has always been there for parents and for students to accomplish certain things in life and for for many uh going to college is a major priority and there uh, can be of course, many challenges along the way. And I think because of the pandemic, that just ends another layer of, uh, of a challenge or of a stressful situation here. So we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about more what that entails uh, in regards to coping strategies, uh, getting through the pandemic, as well as through moving forward with an academic uh, pursuit. And what have you seen, or what, rather, what have you read in the last few months, we, you know, we, you did make your predictions about um, kids going back to school and things like that. Have, has there been an increase in anxiety and rates of depression and, and things like that amongst youth? Or have we seen it, you know, decline or kind of balance out? Where are we with that? Well, the levels of depression in adolescence have increased. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, kids... Uh, have struggled throughout the pandemic. Uh, there's so many factors that have gone into them being more depressed and anxious. Uh, uh, let's let's uh, just remind ourselves of the, the great number of kids that have been orphaned or have lost uh, a grandparent or a favorite aunt or uncle or maybe even a cousin uh, to uh, to the pandemic. So. It's been extremely difficult for a lot of kids to uh, navigate their way through this really uh, difficult time. Yeah, I want to touch on, you know, losing a parent or a, f- a f- 
significant family member in your household as a kid, what does what does a healthy grieving timeline look like and how does that get delayed or interrupted when you add in factors of suddenly it's my mom's a single mom now and I have to pick up the slack at home and take care of my younger siblings and things like that. What, how does that get interrupted and what does the actual healthy timeline look like for grieving something like that? You know, some experts will say that that can take one or two years to process and 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 go through it. Some will even say that somebody people don't ever really get over it. They just learn to sort of cope with it, and and I think that that uh, that I think that's so applicable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's it's almost as if I I don't think in that instance of someone's you know grieving the something as serious as the loss of a parent that you can necessarily blame them for succumbing to starting to smoke weed or drinking with their friends. Not that it's okay, but if there's no other example set for them of this is how you cope in a healthy way, it's almost no surprise that teenagers can lean on, you know, substances like that to get through their emotions. Well, when you think that through a little bit, people when people are grieving, they, of course, are very de- depressed, they're very sad, and usually anxiety comes with that. Stress, uh, nervousness, worry, worrying about things. And alcohol and cannabis can be anxiolytic in the, f- in the sense that they can reduce a bit of the, the the stress and the anxiety. They're numbing in a sense, yeah. However, that does not mean that that's a healthy coping style because these substances, as, as we've spoken about, and can lead to further depression and more anxiety. So it's sort of a vicious cycle. So there are other ways to treat or to deal with anxiety, and that's engaging in therapy. Or in in addition to therapy, there's healthier coping mechanisms that we, that we've talked about, which include things like exercise, taking up a, a hobby, uh, fasting, even heat treatment, uh, mindfulness, uh, talking to peers, uh, joining a support group. There's so many other things that a person can do to navigate their way through a a depressing or anxiety-provoking situation. Yeah, I think maybe for a lot of kids, they might not have access to therapy, but I want to lean on what you said about like talking to peers, talking to your friends about how you're feeling or what you're going through. That's, I mean, I can recall when I've gone through some tough times, I've always leaned on friends, and that's definitely helped lessen the load. And I think when you're a teenager, your friends are... A huge part of your life and the person that you are and present yourself as so i think leaning on that is all it's like a great thing to do and i also saw this random i don't know this um it was fairly recently i was on tiktok and i saw this girl she was probably in her 20s already talking about that she 
uh, I don't know if she like felt like she didn't have any friends or she just felt lonely. She would just, and she couldn't afford therapy. That was one thing that stuck out. She would get on her phone and record herself on video and just talk to herself about everything, everything that was worrying her and anything and everything under the sun. And then she realized that in talking just to herself, that her anxiety went down and her loneliness went down and things of that nature. So if anything, if you don't even feel comfortable talking to someone, maybe that's another outlet that you can go talking to yourself on the phone. And as you know, and we've, we've mentioned this, there's also like a text, a texting service that you can dialogue with someone in regards to what's troubling you. And it's been known and proven that when you reach out to somebody, even if it's one of these hotlines, that that reduces things like suicide. So just being able to communicate with somebody and share with them how you're feeling can can have some therapeutic properties in and of themselves. So that's definitely something that people need to, to, to think about and to make an effort to reach out to somebody. Yeah, and I think, you know, the main thing we want to emphasize here is, you know, staying away from things like weed and alcohol, especially, I mean, everyone should, but especially if you're in between the age groups of 15 to 18 and, the, you know, if you're a teenager, you should not at all be leaning on substances like that and where was it that you told me you went to Lowe's and the price of ant food if you want to talk about that story really quick I think that's worth sharing only because it was sort of shocking and went to a, a home improvement store to buy some lawn insect killer and as I'm checking out as you've always done throughout my yes, life it's pretty and- normal and so the lady asked me for my ID and I felt that I thought that was interesting and I asked her why and she told me that a lot of teenagers are buying lot insect killer and they're snorting it. <laughs> and and so when I looked that up it's something there's a phenomenon called wasping that in the state of Indiana for, for at least in one place it's it's a, it's a sort of a, a thing there. And that people are sort of huffing the the spray and it makes them zombie-like. And I saw several videos of the uh, the Indiana Police Department, uh, the fire department actually, dealing with uh, patients that that are suffering. And and it's happening in all ages, from teenagers to middle-aged to even even some elderly folks. So interesting. Because so you haven't seen that personally in your unit, but it has been reported in other parts of the country. What do you even think would potentially be the long-term effects of in you know putting that in your body? Well, it's got to be devastating. I would think that yeah. it, it's going to I mean, it's insect a, killer. That's crazy. Yeah, so it's got to be really uh, bad for you. It's got to slow your thinking down and. And God only knows what else it's going to do, but it's it's going to have an awful outcome. That's definitely going to be something to, to expect yeah. if, it, if it catches on. And I think, well, the point of that story is just, you know, to tell or bring that awareness to our listeners and to say that, like, don't put stuff in your body that's not meant to be in it. It's as simple as that. You know, it 
nothing good is ever going to come from putting a foreign substance into your body unless it's prescribed by a doctor and you need to take it and it's for your health. But other than that, you shouldn't mess with something that is not prescribed for you. You know, I just want to touch on this point that I think is interesting. And I recently saw this in the National Institute of Drug Abuse website in regards to suicide and substance abuse. And it's felt, the statistics show that when a person is abusing alcohol, that their suicide risk increases tenfold when they're injecting any substance into themselves. It increases their suicide rate 14-fold. And when they're abusing more than one substance, the suicide rate increases 17-fold. So if you're feeling down and you start ingesting um, alcohol and then maybe some cannabis, your suicide risk goes off the charts. So please, uh, there are better ways to cope yeah. than, than resorting to that. Yeah, I, I agree. That's simply put. I mean, it's a scary, even like thought process of like the what ifs of what can happen to a loved one that you care about and they decide that they're going to experiment with something and then end up hurting themselves in the process or that substance, you know, hurts them. And then, you know, what can you do? So to just be mindful and like think of think of yourself, but then think of your loved ones. Not you don't want to do something that is going to affect not only you but the people that you care about. And it's interesting that you to talk about that because we see and evaluate patients that make efforts to hurt themselves, and and something that we see a lot in, in at least in California is people on the roads, on the freeways, running into traffic. And that in, in and of itself is, of course, so risky, so dangerous. And I recently read an account of somebody who had actually hit somebody on the road and did not kill him but seriously hurt him. Uh, and they went through their own issues uh, just dealing with that, uh, feeling in some ways, uh, if not guilty about it, but just bad that they were involved in a situation where they where they ran somebody over so it, it's something that affects us all or can affect us all to a certain extent uh, if we know someone who has has hurt themselves a loved one or a friend of a loved one uh, it, it's i think it's it's a public health issue and it's some it, it's it's at a crisis level at this point so I think we we want to uh, caution those that are listening to please be careful uh, when they use uh, they drink alcohol or use a substance to to please be really careful with be in touch with your feelings uh, and just uh, we can't uh, emphasize how important it is for for you to to truly stay in control. Yeah, and then also for those listening to. You know, I believe we have a bit of an older audience in terms of like there's no teenagers listening. But, you know, if you have a teenager in your life to have these kind of conversations with them, an honest dialogue about what alcohol can do to you and your health and what weed can do to all these substances so that it's not just, oh, don't do it. 
because I said so. It's no, you shouldn't do it. And these are the reasons why. So that they can make, they know, like they're educated on it. And I think that's super important so that they don't go, oh, well, I I know my parents said no, but I'm going to try it anyways, because whatever, you know, like, I think it's important to have these honest conversations with the younger people in your life so that they know. And it's like, they can never say that they were never warned or you didn't tell me, you know, like, I think it's super important. Well, you're absolutely right. It's important to have that discussion, to talk about it. Uh, It's like anything else. It's like what we're doing about mental health. The more you talk about it, the more you know about it, the better you're able to deal with certain things and the more resources you may have. And when it comes to a topic such as drugs, we need to talk to our kids about it. We need to share our own experiences maybe even with them just to educate them, to share our experience, to maybe try to prevent them from going through some of the things that as adults that we've gone through or share experiences of other people that we know um, in you know, when in our field we have, I always shared with you um, and your siblings about the perils of uh, different drugs and yeah. of what we've seen and, terrified and, me growing up and and it was meant to educate you and to let you know what was at risk um, and and I think it, it's important for all parents to have that sort of uh, talk with their kids because you know kids look to their adults as role models and and you learn from your parents and so it's it's better that you have a discussion with them as a parent than their peers or somebody else so because mm-hmm. uh, you're the one that's gonna have the best interest of your kid uh, absolutely yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of 2020 Psych. Thank you guys so much for listening. Feel free to write into us of what you care to hear more about, maybe something we haven't covered before. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us on our Instagram page at 2020 at 2020 Psych Podcast. And thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.